Hi, welcome today to the next episode of R3 Miked Up, where the topic of conversation is going to be marketing and R3. On the phone with us today, we have Jennifer Wisniewski of Georgia Department of Natural Resources, Scott Lavin of Arizona Game and Fish, Micah Holmes of Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation, and Matt Dunphy of the Wildlife Management Institute. I'm Samantha Petter from the Council to Advance Hunting and the Shooting Sports, and I'll be your host today. To start this call, let's have everyone introduce themselves. Jennifer, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. So I started with Georgia a little over four years ago, and um, my background is um, I went to school for marketing. I have a marketing degree, um, and then worked for several years in retail um, for a couple of different retailers. Then I had a stint in higher education where um, I taught, did the accreditation process for a small liberal arts school, and then um, I landed in the best job possible working for DNR Marketing, Hunting, and Fishing, which is a passion of mine and has been for a long time. So I feel really lucky to be here, and um, you know, I'm glad that George is recognized as kind of a leader in R3, and uh, I, I think it's a great effort that's been nationwide. Fantastic. I, I just learned some stuff about your background, too. That's great to have that experience. And um, Scott, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, good morning. My name is Scott Lavin. I'm the Wildlife Recreation Branch Chief for the Arizona Game and Fish Department. And um, like Jennifer, I, I spent uh, quite a bit of my former career in, uh, in retail uh, as part of regional management for uh, uh, some large big box retailers, um, also some time in the military. Um, was introduced to Arizona Game and Fish Department um, in an effort to uh, expand my customer base as a retailer um, and very quickly uh, started drinking the cooler, was inspired by the mission, and um, also feel like I have the best job in the world. Fantastic. And everyone has these experiences outside of the agency. Um, Micah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Micah Holmes. I work at the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation. I've been uh, been with this agency for 15 years now. I serve as our information and education supervisor and oversee our information uh, section. Uh, so uh, my background is I have a degree in fish and wildlife from Oklahoma State University. I spent a little time uh, working for a small newspaper, and I've been here ever since. Uh, you know, we don't have everything figured out when it comes to marketing and R3. Uh, in Oklahoma, certainly, but I'm very eager to learn from you guys and hear what you have to say. So, looking forward to it. Fantastic. Thank you for being involved. And then, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Good morning. Matt Dunphy. I work for the Wildlife Management Institute. I've been there for about 10 years. I do a handful of things. My background is not human dimensions. Um, I've learned that more in my professional endeavors. I um, uh, my education is in wildlife biology, wildlife disease ecology, and chemistry. And I uh, taught at Colorado State University for a few years before joining the Institute, but really got involved with R3 back in about 07. And it has been a huge focus of what I've been doing since then, and I plan on doing it for a long time in the future. Fantastic. So I believe a lot of people in the R3 community uh, know about you guys. You probably have interacted with them in a, a variety of aspects, conferences, exchanges, different efforts. Um, and perhaps being involved in some of those conversations, you might have heard some discussion uh, about what we're here to talk about today. And that's the idea of what is R3 and what is marketing and what are their roles in R3 efforts. 
Um, essentially, let's start the conversation off with, in your opinion, is R3 and marketing communications the same thing? Is R3 marketing? What do you guys think? Uh, I'll jump in there. I, I, of course, I think R3 and marketing and communications all go hand in hand together. Um, if every step along the outdoor recreation adoption model has communication and marketing components in it. Um, and so I, I definitely think that the whole effort is um, related to marketing, if not marketing in general. Okay. Um, I, Scott or Micah, would you like to add on there? What are you thought? Yeah, I mean, I, definitely. I'm going to agree with Jennifer. It's, there's there's a difference though between marketing and communications. Uh, you know, we all kind of use these terms interchangeably. I mean, we can't do R3 without both of those things. Um, you know, the challenge for us in Oklahoma, anyway, is figuring out um, what's marketing, what's communications, what's R3. Uh, they, they all overlap a lot, um, in overlapping circles, but where should we be spending our time on, and are we all coordinating our things? R3 can't be just one R3 coordinator somewhere in a cubicle. Uh, we've all got to work together and how can we do that? We're we're still working on that. Okay, so it's like a it's a part of it per, per se, but it's not the only thing, perhaps. Certainly, yep. Okay, um, Scott, what about you? Do you have an idea? Yeah, I, I, like everyone else, I, it, it's hand in hand, and, and for us, it, it's about kind of building a culture. Um, I absolutely, uh, you know, we we figured out that R three can. Um, collaborate with almost any branch in a state agency uh, to, to reach and, and effectively engage people. Um, at, at the same time, there is a challenge because the state agency has so many communication missions that are either regulatory or public affairs or politically related. Um, so it's tough to separate the messaging sometimes on, on, on what the mission of that messaging is. But it doesn't matter how great our, our R3 program is, if we can't effectively convey it to the public um, in the mass media to, to draw them in, um, that, that effort's not going to be successful. I agree. And what I'm kind of hearing is, like, um, perhaps there's different roles that marketing and communications, which, Mike, I agree, are, are separate, are involved in R3, whether it be talking about what we're doing as an organization and working with partners, which, Scott, you've had a lot of experience with that, or um, actually developing uh, techniques to include as part of your R3 strategy for an agency. Jennifer and Micah, you guys, I think, have some experience there. Um, overall, with when I hear conversations, I, I think there's some just discussion that happens and, and people trying to figure out a good fit or a good way to think about for an agency. So from, from your experience and everything, uh, maybe Matt, you want to chime in here first. What do you think, like, the why do people always say that it's one and the same or, or have this hard time kind of separating them out or figuring out this giant puzzle of what do we do with it, maybe is the best way to say it. I think it's a really good question. And I'd I think this is a good group of people to sort of roll this one around a little bit because I've been asked that several times or even been challenged with that. Why can't we just call? Well, let me go back to something Jennifer said. Um, you know, when you look at the the process of becoming a hunter and angler, there's really a role for communications, if not marketing, at almost every step along that path for an individual. So 
I, the, the, the question that we get posed with a lot is, well, if that's true, then isn't R3 just marketing? And I'll, I'll take a stab at why I think we get that question, um, but then I, I, I'd like you guys to sort of chime in on that because you're the ones that are struggling with um, making R3 a part of what your agency does. My guess is that it's because R3 is really about, I mean, at its core, a, a real customer-centric focus for an organization. And it's that's, that's not a typical fit for agencies in the past. Um, it's I think it's easier to put a label on, well, it's just this thing, so therefore this department should do it. It's, it's mainly just marketing communication, so marketing communication should handle it. And and going back to something Scott said, it's it's actually a lot bigger than that. It's it's institutional change, um, in that we as an agency have to not just look at making a resource available or making license available. We're having to start to think about what do what is what does the potential customer need? And unfortunately, it's a lot more than just availability of resources or licensing. It is. It is communications. Um, it is marketing tactics, but it's also some programming. They need to learn skills, and they have these expectations about an agency that an agency should, uh, or an organization should give them some skills and opportunities to learn and facilitate that process. So my guess is we, we want to kind of put it in a box, or at least agencies do. I don't know that anybody in this, this call does, but organizations kind of want to put it in a box because it's easy to sort of segment and say, that division, you guys go ahead and handle that as opposed to, you know, this is something that we as an organization really have to think about, and everybody sort of has a role. So that would be my first stab at, at, at uh, why that desire for simplification is out there. But you guys chime in here. What, what's been your experience? Well, and, and like Scott, hear, go ahead, Micah, go for it. I'd like to hear more from Scott, you know, because I, I think he's spot on in talking about having a culture of uh, being customer-centric and R3, have y'all been successful at that, and how have you done that? We're making progress. I'd love to tell you we got it all figured out, but it, this is a long journey, and we're unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but we're a big organization. Um, you know, you think about, um, I, 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 you know, I'm trying to create this dialogue that, that we're in competition because we're, we're trying to sell a product, basically, and that product requires time and money to pursue, so when you think about, you know, any other retailer, uh, the marketing department does commercials or, or ads or whatever, and they get you to the store. But when you walk to that store, you're not decided yet. It, it, you need to have that professional, uh, uh, that salesperson, uh, you need to, you know, walk into that store, have that culture wrap around you and, and inspire you to make that purchasing decision. So, the marketing, you know, really excites the awareness. It gives you the interest and the energy to get there, but you're still not sold. So um, the, the, the culture we're trying to build is is that that everybody's an ambassador, um, and and it, this exceeds beyond the the department to a statewide collaboration of partners that that helps do uh, camps and so forth. But that that idea that that everybody is responsible for the growth of the business that's that you know i'm sure jennifer has a similar experience in retail where i came from every morning um you had a meeting on what were your goals for the day how did you do to yesterday's goals and we're instilling that culture now on monday mornings we're having a sales 
a licensed sales slash marketing meeting. And we're still going through that storming and norming phase of figuring out what that meeting needs to be. But having representatives from, I think we're up to about eight different branches within the organization talking about uh, what, what season are we going in? Uh, you know, what are we doing for National Hunting and Fishing Day? What's going on for National Shooting Sports Branch? And, and, and having that, that level of, of building that level of excitement on, on internally among your employees as well as on your social media platforms. Yeah, and Scott, I think that that's right on. And um, also, it has to live in your in your top brass. I mean, if your director and your commissioners are not bought into this whole idea of R3 and pushing it down to the culture of the whole agency, uh, it, it will just be a marketing effort, and it won't work. <laughs> and that's interesting. Jennifer, um when we're looking at kind of helping agencies grasp onto this more, I mean, you and Scott have been pushing that. And, Micah, you're trying to work with your staff and your other partners internally, your, your other organization or departments, I'm sorry. How, what are you using to do that? Like, is there, is there successful ways you've found to help communicate that across the channels? Scott, you talked about building the culture, but is there other, is there other ways to do that that maybe some people listening might, might use and apply at their local level? I'm sorry, Sam, was that to me? Well, it, um, I'm sorry. Uh, to anyone, it's a general question. What what kind of tools could another person listening to this call uh, use to help communicate that, that mission or motto across the board to engage other people in this? I, I think Jennifer really nailed it. It comes from the, 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 the top. So you, if your senior leadership isn't bought in, as R3 professionals, it's up to us to get in front of them. I posted recently on the National R3 website <clears throat> the importance of fighting for your time in front of your commission to be able to present what are you doing in front of your commission. Um, the commission meetings, most of us are, you know, are, are channeled by a, a, a commission in our state agencies. Um, there's a little bit of theater that goes on in, in, on those commission meetings. It's not all just you know, uh, agenda items, you know, matter of fact, decision making. Um, that's a great venue to educate some of um, the more politically savvy elements in, in your community and, and getting your commission to buy in. Um, when, you, when you're showing that you're, you're, you're trying to build programs that, that grow our culture, um, there, there are very few state commissions that are not going to buy into that and help support that effort. And a couple of things that we've done to give sort of instant gratification to folks that are out in the field that are trying to do these, be ambassadors and do these um, uh, R3 focused activities, whether that's sending in a story or um, whatever the effort may be, is give them some results. So whether that's, um, you know, you sent this story up to us, we created this fishing opportunities, and this many people saw that, and out of this many people, then X amount of people bought a license, and that resulted in this amount of money. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, so uh, keeping in mind the political landscape internally and stuff like that, but also kind of giving them a win almost. Like, look, you you tried with us, positive reinforcement. We actually got results from what you did. And then you bring them back in to do more by um, engaging them on those efforts. Does that make sense? Yeah, and because often we give results up the chain, 
and we're good at giving results up the chain, but sometimes people in the field don't realize that their efforts are working, and so they don't get that positive reinforcement to keep on keeping on. And um, that's that's been good in our agency to try to get it to live in the culture of everybody that works here. You know, what Jennifer is talking about, I think, is really really important, and it's it's in my opinion the single best strategy to tackle this political landscape and this agency change that we're talking about here. The reality is that this customer-centric focus that is really the, the heart behind our three is very new, as we've all talked about, to organizations and particularly agencies. And we haven't looked at, we haven't been planning or executing our programs or efforts in that customer-centric focus. So to expect that we're going to go in and change everything even in a year or two is pretty unrealistic. It is a slow sort of department-by-department level. and the states or organizations that I've seen most successful do exactly what Jennifer is talking about. Find an opportunity for you know one pilot effort, one marketing campaign, one new program that incorporates our three best practices, and then just get a win, just one win with some results that then you can use you can use to start convincing people internally and all up through the leadership chain that, hey, these principles aren't just made-up stuff or this isn't a fad right now. This stuff actually works. So if we took this baby step, imagine what we could do if we took the next step. And, again, those states that have taken that approach and those organizations are the ones, honestly, we consider leaders right now because they're recognizing you don't just all of a sudden say, hey, this is how we're going to be but they recognize this is a ground war of step-by-step, person-by-person, division-by-division, partnership-by-partnership to eventually get to a state where an entire organization is geared toward that customer focus and everybody understands what their role is. I can see I can see how that would be a good strategy moving forward to kind of build that culture and that sense, really engage people in the on the ground and, and get them working alongside you one by one. It takes time, we know that. But um, we do have some tools that we've been talking about to help us understand kind of this method and this mission. And one of them is the outdoor recreation adoption model. And what I kind of want to put out there, this model helps us to think about uh, the individual we're trying to work with and getting them moving through the adoption of a new idea or maybe a population moving through and adopting that, depending on which level we're looking at. Do you think um, for some of those people in the field working on this right now, have you used the ORAM to help convey some of your ideas to engage people with uh, the R3 side of it? Um, What are your thoughts on where marketing and communications in R3 fit in with the ORAM itself? Do you guys have some ideas on that? We've absolutely used it, and it helps helps us provide a common kind of source language to all argue about the same thing. Um, if that makes sense. And so we can keep going back to this model. If this model is true, then what? What does that mean for our programs? Um, and so, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, our, the three R's are three very different things. They're three very different sets of people, um, and they require very different set of marketing communication strategies. So uh, it, ha- it has helped us a lot, I think. Same here. Okay. We, we have 
absolutely use that to map out efforts so I can show everybody that, hey, look, all of our efforts are basically on recruitment. And that's why marketing, and for me, I focus most of the marketing that we do, the sort of big marketing efforts like lapsed hunter, lapsed angler emails, and that kind of thing towards um, retention and reactivation, because to me, that's the low-hanging fruit. It's easier for me to go after somebody that knows how to hunt and fish, they just haven't done it in a couple of years, than it is to go to a child and make them one. So that's why we've, you know, you 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 guys have a lot of efforts over here. Here's where our opportunities lie, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, I work with a lot of biologists, and they really like charts. I think we all do. <laughs> I think I'm guilty of that, too. If I you can know, we, see uh, it laid out in front of me, I can connect it together. So, and Scott, what do you think? Well, to that point, you know, we're, this is a, becoming an increasingly visually managed, uh, uh, not just industry, culture, society across the nation as a whole. Um, we actually, you know, made a couple big banners that demonstrate that have, you know, the the uh, adoption sequence on them. And we like this weekend, we have our statewide uh, R three uh, constituency meeting. And uh, they'll be hanging on the tent, and they, I guarantee you they're going to be referred to probably 10 times an hour um, as we're navigating the different conversations. Um, we're, we're, we're on a project right now. I'm, I'm sure most of us on the call have seen Matt's giant spaghetti plate of the problem of R3. Um, we're trying to adopt some type of a, a diagram that shows, at least in Arizona, the statewide R3 collaboration. And this it's it's become more of a brain teaser than I ever imagined. I mean, trying to tie in the linkages of, you know, how industry plays in, how does our, our information branch play in, branding, marketing, uh, uh, mentored camps, and so forth, and showing all those different nexuses to try and have a, a roadmap to introduce people who maybe aren't as far along in the process. It is, Matt, I don't know how you created that spaghetti play because we've been giving ourselves migraines trying to replicate something on what does the state model lo actually look like. Yeah, I, I still don't want to talk about it. It was, an, it was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is tricky. What, you know, as we're, as we're talking about this, it's really interesting to hear how you folks are using it in the field. And it, it's always um, retrospective for me because when I look back at it, the, the sketching out of that model was actually just a an afterthought to a bigger effort that we were doing. And actually, Scott, now that you mentioned it, the effort we were doing at the time was trying to create that spaghetti plate. It's just, hey, can we get all of our problems up on one piece of paper so we can start to figure out what they are? And we just realized we needed sort of a common language to talk about the problems. And over time, that that model has become way more useful than we ever anticipated it being. Um, and, and I think the reason why is because it's in some ways it helps us unravel those each of those threads of spaghetti a little bit and say, all right, um, if if this is a problem, why is it a problem based on an individual's process of adopting this activity? We can sort of separate it out a little bit. I'm kind of curious with the utility that you've all talked about. I'd just I'd like to ask the honest question, um, knowing that. All models are, are wrong, but sometimes useful. In the, the realm of marketing or communication or just R3 in general, where have you found problems or difficulties in, in using that model? Where does it sort of um, break down or run aground when you're 
trying to use it within a group or within your programs. Have you encountered any any rough spots? Uh, for going off the national plan for the fishing one, the, the one that's just the line, the if we could cycle up the retention reactivation side and make it look more like a life cycle instead of just a line, then yeah. that would be helpful in my discussions. Because you know I'm always talking about reactivation, and I want to take this box and make it back to the decision to continue to make that cycle start over again because I feel like that's a life cycle of a customer basically. Yeah. That's a that, that that's a really good point and you know we'll we'll say it first on this call. Um so saying you get credit for sort of the ground floor here. Um I think the the last the, the last two boxes of the model are wrong. I think the the reactivation is somewhat misrepresented and, and that's I think that's what you're talking about Jennifer and that actually Lapsing and reactivating are a, a normal organic process in retention, um, and and in that the, the the newest national document about R3, um, or at least on the, the fishing side with RBFF, this was something we sort of recognized and we tried to articulate a little bit better um, that there's many different kinds of lapsing. You know, you know there's this, there's sort of a light hey, I just forgot to just my license. And Jennifer, you've been on the ground floor of figuring out all we gotta do is remind these people and my gosh, they will they'll do it. That's a different kind of lapsing than someone who moves to a new new state. But there's more complexity there. In reality, lapsing and reactivation happen within sort of within and then maybe slightly without retention. But it is sort of an imperfect ending and I don't know, I've I've kicked around the idea of, of trying to redraw it. I'm just not sure if that would cause more chaos within our community at this point or not. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about chaos. Okay. <laughs> no, let's let's talk about uh let's talk about addition or adaptation adaptations of the model. Um maybe off the call. <laughs> but as far as like or revisions, let's say revisions. Um Scott, you had said something earlier that kinda locked it in in my head. Um you talked about, you know, the products out there and the products we have or the service we offer has been out there all along. It's going hunting, right, or going target shooting or having a shooting range or going fishing. Whatever it is, we've had those resources all along. If anything, we're increasing the availability by putting more ranges on the ground, by buying more properties, by liberalizing our, our regulations even more, right? So we've been taking these steps, and we have the this model to think about where all those steps fit. And I can see the value of like a communication effort or a marketing effort for, and I know I'm using those interchangeably, and I know the differences. But overall, using tactics to can to target certain audiences and convince them to go back out there. But is that enough? Do you think? Do you think there's more we could apply from these areas um, of specialty to address our three efforts? I, I feel like we're just at the beginning. What are your thoughts on that? I, we absolutely are just at the beginning. Uh, uh, even the, the the state that states that are f farthest along are still literally just at the beginning. Um, there, there's one rule of retail I, I'll never forget, and that is nobody's, nobody can get everybody. So there is no one entity that's going to successfully grab the imagination and the culture in a, in a state or a nation and, set, and, and be, be, the, be, you know, get everybody. So it, it, it absolutely takes the entire collaboration 
um, of, of state industry, nonprofit partners um, to, to, to do this. Um, I think, if I understand your quest, question, um, the challenge for the state agencies, and, and we made a big swing with the, the, the remodel of our online presence with our customer portal, we're going to make another big swing because, you know, I, you know I'm doing a presentation this weekend on, on web presences, and you look at some of the more um, sophisticated partners we have, um, you know, the council did a great job with your web presence. Uh, uh, relabeling on, on the Council of Advanced Hunting Shooting Sports. You look at, at the NSSF uh, website, and several other websites now are, are visually dominated images with, with video that catch you immediately. They have very easy navigation. They tell you how to get involved, or they have a call to action. State agencies still have websites that look like they're written by biologists, and, and they're, they're, there's just too much information because we're so proud of everything we do. We want to tell you everything and that's not effective salesmanship. That we, we've got to, you know, we've got to boil down 10 pages of a white paper to a cute picture with a tagline and, and, and a how to get involved. And, and the best thing we did was to contract an outside marketing firm to sell that to our commission because our commission wasn't listening to, to the experts that worked for them. And, and I think that that's the, the biggest challenge right now is is to we, we we've got the best products and, and unlimited access to, to the resource. We we just don't do a good job of letting the public know where where that is. Yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, I agree too. Absolutely, Scott. Yes. And and so I know there's organizations out there like the Association of Conservation Information that can help us buy into a lot more of this and I know uh, and learn the, the strategies dedicated for communicators and, and marketers in the natural resource world but I mean as an organization and moving forward uh, the council is trying to look at this too and how do we help uh, indoctrinate a lot of these ideas do you think that there what are some challenges we're looking at as a community in in helping to understand this conversation better and understand the fit of marketing and communication in our three and and adapt these principles internally, from culture to application to everything. I mean, what's our greatest challenge in your mind in, in moving forward in that? I think with new data comes new challenges. So a lot of us are moving towards using these data dashboards, and we have all of this information available at our fingertips. And now we need to come up with new strategies to, okay, we see this decline in this age group or this decline in this uh, geographic region or whatever, but what are the proven strategies that we can then just implement? And we know we need to go offer the people in this area opportunities that are near them, and then they'll um, come buy a license from us. Or, you know, what what are the strategies that work for these trends that we're going to be able to see and how do we test those and go ahead and get them out to everybody so that we can say, oh, we know what works already. We can just put that into action. I, for one, do not feel sorry for Jennifer. Uh, so much data. In Oklahoma, we don't have enough, we don't have enough data. Um, you know, that, that's our challenge and the challenge of some other states. And, and how, can we, how can we make decisions with limited data? Um, I think some of our other decisions, uh, our challenges are just internal understanding of, of 
you know, what is retention? If someone buys a license, is that is that retention? Are they retained? Or do we need to know, uh, back that up with participation? Um, and then the other kind of challenge we talk a lot about here in Oklahoma is that there's only so much we can do as a state agency. Um, you know, there's only so many boat ramps we can build and WMAs we can provide. Uh, and at the end of the day, we can't take enough kids out to uh, to go squirrel hunting. You know, it's got to be grandpa, granddad, uncle, mom, somebody uh, to do that. So how can we uh, energize those mentors to do the job for us because we can't do it all? Uh, that's some of our challenges here. I think Okay. Go ahead, Scott. Well, I think this kind of goes back to your point earlier, Matt, about what is the model breakdown in the field and all. My challenge with that was, you know, sometimes, we, you know, as again, as scientists, we try to take things way too literally, over-compartmentalize, over, you know, categorize and so forth. Um, it, it, when you're trying to affect public uh, engagement, that's a very fluid environment and it changes so quickly. And and you have to be you have to react faster than when you're drafting a press release over a sensitive wildlife management issue. And I think th that that's a real challenge for us because we're not comfortable. We don't want to we don't want just anyone to have the keys to the, the to the public because they might say the wrong thing. Gosh forbid. Um, you know, and I always go back to the 2013 Super Bowl in this. You know, there was a if you recall there was a power outage during the Super Bowl and and some interns somewhere had the authority and, and the ability to just send out a, 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 a something about Oreo cookies. You can still dunk them in the dark, and it stole the show. It was almost as big a headline as who won the Super Bowl. I don't know if state agencies are ever going to be able to empower people to be able to uh, adapt and and make a command decision to exploit something that might be going on in their in their local community um, and, and react that quickly. But you know, uh, marketing and, and, you know, retail is, is a war of attrition. It's a constant effort, and it's a whole bunch of those micro stories that add up to that successful tidal wave. You know, that what, what you and Micah are both alluding to, to me, is, is really spot on, and it's kind of one of those things behind the thing. The, I, I, I would be comfortable saying that I believe the best role for state fish and wildlife agencies specifically agencies, state fish and wildlife agencies specifically is to be sort of the intellectual hub of R3 for what you were saying, Micah, that you can't do everything and trying to figure out whose role is, is, is what, what do we do? Um, how much data do we need? Uh, what, what parts do we have to step in for agencies to understand we're good at things A, B, and C but then all this other stuff, we need partners to fill in. And our job is going to be being sort of, again, the intellectual and facilitative hub of R3. In order to do that, you do have to accept an amount of risk that you're talking about, Scott, and that it might not be perfect. And things might get said or um, stuff might happen that the agency's legal team might be a little bit uncomfortable with at some point. And so what... The, the best R3 model is this customer-centric view. But in order to do that, sometimes things do get a little bit messy because you have to have a bunch of people helping to get all of the people that we need. So 
I, I believe we can get most of the way there. Um, I think we're just in the era of trying this for the first time, and everybody's just a little bit nervous because we've, we've never done this. And agencies, kind of by definition, are reactionary. They were formed because, you know, there was a problem with fish and wildlife, so, oh, there's a problem, we need an agency. And sort of from that day forward, it's always been, we're here to respond to issues that are there. R3 is really a proactive, um, a proactive field. How do we think a few steps ahead of the customer? How do we get out there to make sure that they have what they need? How do we line our partners to anticipate what people are going to need? And that's, um, you know, sort of psychologically and institutionally, that's, that's a different change. So for my part, that I think is the challenge. When we can get a little bit more data and a few more case studies and, and honestly, <laughs> a few more good folks like you just keep fighting through this and we can establish how the agency can be that hub, I think that's when we start to make leaps and bounds. I agree. And Matt, you keep coming back to like a, a focus on an individual and a discussion of that. And I think Jennifer had, had it in some of her comments and, and Mike and Scott, you're talking about um, the same kind of idea here. At, at the Common Core, I think as an agency and all of the staff involved in our free or that could be involved, I think our common ground is trying to make sure that what we love and what we do as a person is there around in the future, right? I think that's something common everyone can relate to. Um, when it comes to looking at participants in, in this program, or customers even, um, and getting them to engage with the agency more uh, from the public side or to buy a hunting license and go hunting more or to go boating more, that's kind of the process that we're all looking at and how we come through it uh, through the ORAM and using that tool to fill that need and fill that gap to understand process and everything. or if it's uh, on a one-on-one -on -one level, talking to our employees and talking to them and showing them the win, we're all kind of leading toward that same path of knowing the customer, seeing what they want, and then figuring out ways to provide it to that to them. Is that kind? Of, I mean, is that a statement you guys would agree with, or do you think that there's more to it than that? I think that's spot on, customer-centric. That's that's how we gotta live. Okay. In, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. So that really is that really is sort of the 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 point um, the point of all this is that if we have people that we we want to do an activity, the best way to do it is to anticipate. Okay, what are the barriers that that person or population has to the activity, and then let's use what tools we have to address that. Whether those tools be marketing, whether it be communication, whether it be programming, whether it be a partnership with an outside entity. So. Yeah, um, to me, you're spot on. If if I could just add a little little bit of adversarialness, just because that's how we are in Arizona, um, we 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 can never lose sight that they have other options, and and we we've got to approach every effort um, with a little bit of competitive nature, um, because unfortunately, usually our activities are just a little farther from home than the local playground or the local bowling alley uh, or, or even their sofa. So um, we've got to be that much better to make these opportunities exciting uh, and welcoming and, and full of social support um, because we know it takes way too many engagements to instill that culture um, compared to other choices. You know, Scott, I think you're, right. you're spot on too. I think that's a really good point to add because I mean, Matt said, uh, well, as organizations, we've been responsive, but uh, what you're talking about is proactive. 
making sure that for the first time we're right there in the slew of decisions that people can spend to make their time, their use of their time. So I, I agree 100%. Um, as, I, as I think about all of this, I'm thinking a lot of the the challenges, I mean, there's challenges in R3 and in, in, in hunting and, and fishing alike. And, and it's about public awareness. It's about opportunity and stuff like that. But I think a lot of the solutions could lie in the fields of marketing communication. So I guess perhaps just the, the kind of final uh, thought here, a parting message, we'll say, for each of you. How would you encourage other R3 coordinators to, to take action and tap into this, this realm of knowledge that's out there? Is there is there one reference you could provide to them? Is there one your one win that you've had that would make it more efficient to include more marketing and communications in R three? How would you how would you advise that? Well, if you're listening to the call, you're probably ahead of the curve. Um, you know, here in Oklahoma, we certainly don't have all the answers, uh, and we never will. But we've learned a lot from other states, Arizona and Georgia, and Matt Dunsey. Um, you know, we just, if, if you can keep plugged in um, to the people that are providing this information and are kind of working through the same thing, um, it, it, I mean, that's the first step. Um, and pick up the phone and call these people who um, who you know and trust and and, um, and pick their brain because there is no, some of the stuff, there is no right answer. There is no easy answer. That, that's why it's hard. Uh, and I, I would just encourage people to keep um Keep talking about the ORAM. Keep talking about R3 uh, within your agency. Um, and sometimes it's a grind because not everybody is going to agree. We've had some great conversations um, and continue to have those conversations about just the very simple stuff. What is R3? What are we trying to do with marketing? And we'll keep having those conversations till we have consensus. Because uh, that's when you can move move forward when you have consensus and uh, and, and have unity. I, really like yeah, I, I agree a lot with Micah, and you know, just just when we feel like so much of a broken record telling the story of R three and um, you know participation numbers and why and all this stuff, you, you come across another person that has no idea what you're talking about. So, no matter what kind of broken records we may feel like being the mouthpiece of this in our organizations, it, we you got to keep telling the story and keep on and keep on and keep on. And, you know, there's a lot of perseverance involved. And, I, I mean, personally, I steal ideas from other states all the time. And I use these national um, toolkits that are out there that, you know, RBFF puts toolkits out there. The council's working on toolkits. There's a lot of resources so that marketers and communications people at the state agency level don't have to come up with any genius idea because a lot of stuff that's that's already researched and proven to work is out there and you just have to go put it into uh, or implement it. So, uh, you know, using those tools first and using your neighbors and not trying to reinvent the wheel is really the easiest way to start. I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that's been said. I, you know, one of the things that has really struck me early in my career with it, with R3 was one of our larger nonprofit game organizations Said, you guys are the constant, speaking of the state agency. So uh, we've tried to position ourselves, and I think considering most of us have one or two employee programs, 
the state agency is best served to try to be kind of an air traffic controller. Um, we can constantly provide, you know, resources, whether they be, be online or, or guidance. And, and, you know, there's just so much turnover in the NGO leadership, retail industry leadership, that it's hard to maintain that continuity. That's, that's how the state agency can serve the effort. And to Jennifer's point, you know, not only is there always someone else to tell about it, because of that turnover, when you're looking for partners, don't get discouraged. If an entity says no and doesn't want to come to the table uh, for your, your, your statewide collaboration, go back again next year. It's taken us up to five and six years to find the right person in that, in that particular entity that, that we can connect with and get them to the table. It's worth the effort every year to keep going back and knocking on those doors until you find that right person in that organization that, that sees things the way you do, that wants to, you know, add to your fire. I, I would concur with what everybody said here. Um, and it, to me, I really sum it up this way, and that the thing I'd like, I hope everybody listening to this call can remember is there, the, we don't have any R3 experts right now. This is a brand new endeavor, and there's actually – more, more of a community of learners and there are, are experts. Therefore, don't expect anybody to have all the right answers. The attitude to take toward this field is one of discovery and learning and adapting and then sharing. We are in such huge need of learning what works and what doesn't work because we're in such a, a data-poor field. We just don't know. So anybody that tells you this is absolutely the way, um, well, maybe, maybe not. So take on an attitude of, of learning and realize that you have, you may have as much expertise as who you think the experts are and commit to sharing that. And as long as we keep fostering this community of learning, in maybe another five or eight years, we will have some legitimate R3 experts that can tell people exactly what needs to be done. But don't expect that to be out there right now and instead do what we sort of talked about at the beginning of the call. Just go find a win. Try just one thing where you have some competence, where you have some skill, where you have some resources. Establish that and then take on another small bite. Just remember, this is, we need you and we need your innovation um, as much as we need anything else right now in R3. Awesome. There's so many nuggets in here. Um, I feel stingy being able to host the call because I want to interject a hundred other questions. Um, I think this conversation will continue. I don't think uh, the questioning and the discussion of what the connection between R3 and marketing and communications, what all that is and what it isn't. Um, but as someone in New England once said, discussion is healthy, right? So as we evolve, as we continue to get these ideas like Matt and every one of you have said, I think we'll be better off in the future because of our efforts today. So as as we kind of close this up, I want to thank you, each of you, for taking time to speak with us. Uh, an hour surely isn't enough time, but um, hopefully we'll be able to continue the conversation at some of our conferences and exchanges. And I think it was Micah who said, pick up the phone and call someone. Guys, we, we can provide that contact info for anyone if they're willing to share it. And if you have resources or questions, feel free to reach out to anyone in the community, um, the council, RBFF, all of us are here to help you guys move forward. This is all kind of our common goal to ensure that we're around in the future and, and have a better way of doing this. So please use the resources to your advantage. Thank you, everyone, for being on this call. I appreciate it. Um, if you're out there listening, feel free to catch us on our next episode of R3 Mic'd Up.
Thanks for your time, guys. Thank you. Thank you.